Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Hey, in the, uh, so, I haven't preached in a while, but also, we haven't been here in about four weeks. For you people that are new to the church, I'm Joey. Um, we, uh, in the last nine weeks, we have had uh, two grandchildren. So, um, one, what's that? We've been a little busy. I've been traveling. I've been in, in the last five weeks, I've been in six states and had two grandchildren. So I've been traveling a bunch. And uh, Dawson was born nine weeks ago, Dawson William Festy. And then Hayes Andrew Festy was born three weeks ago. So we have two boys. It's awesome. People say, do you feel older? I said, no, I feel great. I feel like I'm in some of the best shape of my life. I'm just more aware of my age. Because when you have grandchildren, you're now grandfather, not just father. And so it's, coming. it's, uh, it's a big adjustment. But no, we, we're back. We're uh, we love going up to Austin. My main office is there, so we get to see our grandchildren. Um, most of you know that you probably, did. how many of you saw kind of the announcement on the website? We have an announcement tonight. Or how many didn't see it? Okay. Well, we haven't, we haven't, some of you, this might be first time news. Some of you, it, it's information. So it's, uh, but it's something we wanted to share with the body. And so, um, Chuck and Ann, why don't y'all come up while I talk? So six and a half years ago, uh, Chuck and Anna joined uh, our f- church family, and the goal at the end of a certain amount of time was Chuck and Anna, we're going we're gonna to kind of take, take over the church. Well, over the last probably year and a half, two years, we've been in this process, and um, especially intensely over the last five to six months. But as of, as of today, that transition will not happen. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not for any reason that's bad. There's nothing bad happened, okay? No, we're, we are deep in connection, okay? I'm not going to uh, dwell on that too much, that it was so healthy, such a health from a healthy place. They're still here at the church. They're not leaving the church. It's just the transition won't happen. We're gonna, we're gonna, it's just, uh, and I'm going to let them explain and speak for themselves. Check. Hello. Am I on? Hello. Yeah. No, he's going. All right, I'm on. Hey, everyone. Um, yeah, like Joey said, I mean, this has been, um, you know, and all of you know in varying degrees, but this has been this has been a process. We moved here six and a half years ago. Like you said, about two years ago, we started really working toward this, and we obviously thought that was the trajectory. That's where we were headed, and uh, really, as we were coming up to really announce it and say, hey, this is what we're doing now. Chuck and Ann are senior pastors, obviously, them still leaders. Um, Really, I'll speak for myself. I really just came to a really honest place in my heart um, and came to the place where I said, you know what? I don't think I can do this with integrity right now. And when I say integrity, I don't mean because of something morally or immoral that was happening, but like just if I'm going to be really true to my heart right now, and where I'm at, uh, where I'm at in my own journey, 
um, what God's doing in me, um, recognizing deeper healing that I want personally. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I can take this on right now. Let me rephrase that. We could, you know, and we could probably do an okay job. Um, but, and honestly, in a lot of ways, it would have been the easier thing to do. Yeah. We would have disappointed a lot less people, and uh, it would have been easier in some ways. This is, a, this was a really hard decision, but it's a really honest decision. And, uh, so we love you guys. I, pre- I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Because we love this house, we love you guys as people, and uh, it's hard. Um, so thanks for, you know, walking this out with us, and I just want to say thank you, too, to Joey and Kelly, Jeff and Anne-Marie for, I mean, literally, they're like, we have grandkids, we're kind of out of here, we're like, not quite, <laughs> and, uh, and we, like, put the brakes on once again, and it was just, it was just so hard um, on so many levels, which we understand, but... We couldn't ask for a better group of leaders that understand and will walk this out with us. Like Joey said, we're not going anywhere, and we're still on the leadership team. We're, you're still going to have to hear me preach and Anna preach. Uh, um, but this is, this is where we've come to, and uh, we, we don't know. I mean, we don't know exactly what the long-term future holds, but, um, but this is where we're at right now. And uh, we really love you guys, and uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think Chuck said it all, but um, we love you guys. And like at the end of the day, all we can do is be integrous to ourselves, you know, and to just love Jesus and stay close to him. It's really simple. And so it's, it's not easy. It's simple. And so this is hard because we do. We love you guys. And, um, you know, we could. We could have taken it and done it, but we just had to step back and realize this is not maybe the moment. Or, you know, it's just it just wasn't right, and it wasn't the right fit at the right time. And so, and we try. I mean, we trust Jesus in it. Like, he has all of us, and he has so much love for all of us. And, you know, even in our journey, I had a conversation with Anne-Marie in the midst of it all, and I said, I'm praying that, like, all our hearts go to the same place, because this brought up a lot of emotion. It was a hard, hard thing to walk with people for two years or more, seriously going towards a goal, and then all of a sudden to stay, say, never mind, we're not going to do that, is really hard, and I've, but I've watched Jesus be so faithful, and just take our hearts, and, and like, he, he pushes them in the same direction, and so I know he's going to do that, even in this room, And if you have emotions about it, it's so okay. And if you need to talk to Chuck and I, like we're here and we can process with you. And if you have questions, you know, um, so it's not even to me, it's, it's just continuing to step closer to Jesus in this process of, of, for all of us. And so I don't know if that's helpful, but we're here. And if you need to talk to us, if you have questions, like, and, and as a culture, like, I would just encourage you, like, of course you can process with people, but if it starts going in a certain direction that isn't positive, come back to us. Like, we're yeah. super safe, and we can probably offer the answers and the solutions that you need. And so I just want to encourage us to be, like, this Matthew 18 body that, yes, feel free to process, but if it starts going in a direction that doesn't feel good in your spirit, we're here. Like, open arms. Come talk to us. So, we love you guys. Yeah. Um, day-to-day. Huh? Day-to-day is the same. Yeah, the day-to-day, day-to-day is the same. 
And um, you want that? Okay. And yeah, just to echo what they said, it's like, what? You want to say something? No. Just to echo what they said. It's it, if you have questions, come. Yeah. You're, you're, there's there's nothing there's nothing we won't answer. So anyway, we love them. I mean, it's just it's been such an honor just to be able to go through a process with them because they're such great people. They are. We always say this. They're just gold. They're just gold. Who thinks who thinks Chuck and Ann are gold? <laughs> All right, now you get to listen to me speak for about two hours and 58 minutes. <laughs> now, I, I, well, I have kind of a short message. Does, uh, do we have the verses up there just to make sure, that jo uh, Joshua 1.9? Okay, cool. I see the thumbs up. I don't need it right now. But I want to talk about today, um, what are you afraid of? It's, a, it's, a, it's something that... Um, that I've been, God's been working on me with and speaking to me with for about three months. It's like, what are you afraid of? I have my own fears. Everyone has their own fears. And when I went through this process, I said, Lord, take me to some scripture. And I, and, and I said, just tell me what, what it does look like not to be fearful. Because I don't fear much, but there's things that I fear that you don't fear. And there's things that you fear that I don't fear. Like who here loves snakes? See, I hate them. I hate them. I mean, yeah. I mean, who likes? Yeah, there's some snake lovers here, and I, 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 I'm, I'm fearful of snakes. For, reason is because I can't see them and I can't control them. So I get, I, I get fearful. What's that? That's honest. I mean, I don't know where they are, and they see. But I want to talk about fear because right now fear is so elevated in our country. Fear is so elevated in the world. We get, we don't even have to talk politics. We can talk economics. There's fear everywhere, fear of inflation, fear of losing a job, fear of not getting money, fear of this, fear of that. And the church doesn't do enough talking about fear or dealing with it. They just throw a few scriptures at you and say, like well, I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to throw three scriptures up there about fear, but I'm going to unpack them in a more personal way. Because if we don't deal with fear, how do we explain our faith to the people that don't have faith when we tell them, fear not. Because we, we have to have a basis for, we can have healthy fear. I have a healthy fear of heights. I have a healthy fear of planes. I don't jump out of them without a parachute. There's healthy fears and then there's irrational fears. Irrational fears make us respond, react, right? Judge, assume, all these things. And fear is a filter. So anyway, Joshua 1, 9, if we could. Have I not commanded you, this is Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Right after he says, so go into the land. So Joshua here, Joshua is not talking about, okay, you see those big old enemies? He's talking about what, who you are. He's talking about an identity. God told you, go into the land. Be courageous. I'm with you. See, all through Scripture, God's given us and speaking identity to us. He speaks identity, so in any circumstance we go into, we know exactly who we are. It doesn't matter what circumstance. No matter where we go, we know who we are. And so he says, be courageous. And if we focus on the enemy or what the enemy's saying, those things get into us, and they get into our mind, and then they change our filter. 
I'm not talking about if you see a car coming at you and you're sitting in the middle of the freeway saying, I fear not. Okay, that's lack of wisdom. That's a spirit of stupidity. You're going to get run over. But when you're going into the flow of traffic, fear says, I can cross this. I just need to wait for the right time. There's wisdom in that. But when you're looking at a, an army that you're going to go take over, you're going to go and conquer them, and God tells you, go, be courageous. It is one of those things where that's such an identity message that when he tells us to do something and we fear ourselves out of his word. Does that make sense? Did I explain that right? We actually, we get into, we start listening to our conditioned voices that take the very word the Lord spoke to us and talk us out of it with human thinking. Because if God speaks to you about starting a company or God speaks to you about asking a woman to marry you and says, go, that's your wife, and she agrees, it's asking her that makes the union, right? What if you said, well, Lord, I know she's my wife, but, and you make all these excuses in your head. Any of y'all ever done that? Men, don't raise your hand. Don't <laughs> raise your hand. It is where we talk ourselves out of the very thing God's called us to do. Go to Romans, please, for me. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoptions and sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. To my point of when we're talking about our identity, we always go back in the slavery of our minds. When that's the only way fear can get in. As sons and daughters of faith, if we allow, if we allow ourselves to think that we cannot do what God has given us to do, if you walk into a room of adversaries, how many of you can actually walk into a room that, that looks nothing like you and walk in with confidence? Not arrogance, confidence. Confidence is that you know who you are and who you are and that you can come in and not demand, control anything, but be you and watch the room change. Because, see, confidence in who you are as a son and daughter agitates the devil and the demons in people so much that it makes actually the devil fearful instead of the person with a proper identity. You walk into a room, not puffed up and arrogant, but just, hey, where a lot of people are, your confidence in who you are and your identity, how you speak, how you carry yourself, because you know Mufasa, your li the lion, the, li the, the lion of Judah is sitting behind you going, this is my son, this is my daughter. And they're feeling the presence of God come in right with you, and it changes the atmosphere. But if we actually believe that, the fear of walking into a room, we talk, well, everybody's looking at me. Am I wearing the right clothes? Is my shoes right? My hair's like, I'm losing my hair. That's why, you know, oh my gosh, this is happening. And we're all insecure. We start talking ourselves out of our identity when God says, this is whom you are. You are this person. So we take this verse and I just say, hey, just declare it over your life. Great. How about taking a risk with your life with this verse? How about taking a risk and actually believing it? Not just in word, but in action, internal. In other words, the external that's trying to get in you to talk to you, talk you out of being a son and daughter, 
actually with, the, with being courageous of walking into a land of enemies? How many of you, when you get into a, a discussion with somebody or two people, how about three people that disagree with you, get intimidated? You feel like, okay, now, I gotta, now I'm fearful, now i got to react. And then the first thing to do is, ha, ha, gotcha. They got you out of your identity. These are the practical applications of when we talk about fear of how we respond because we have enormous amounts of fear. I, I mean, great example. You're putting your life out here on a piece of canvas in front of 120 people, right? You're putting yourself up for judgment, right? How does that make you feel? Amazing, right? Right? Right, that's exactly right. This is a great example. You're a walking, you know, show and tell. Is that you put yourself out there and this is who I am and you have this risk of will people reject me? Will people accept it? Do they think I'm talented? Do they think I'm hearing from God? All those things wrap up, which you probably didn't think about for a second. Now you are. <laughs> but the best part about it is, is that, yes, that's you. A daughter is painting what the father is telling her and expressing it. And we all get to witness it. And it's going to change us. And she could go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dumb this down to what I think I should paint. And it wouldn't have the same revelation. Is this making sense with you? Yeah. That we can, we can go in our mind, dumb down the call of God or the word of God on our life or the word of God that he spoke to you to do and dumb it down to make it more palatable to the people that don't have the same revelation because you're afraid of offending them or afraid that they might reject you. That's what fear does. Fear, gives a, fear has a lens. And when we look through a, fear of, a lens of fear, it changes the perspective on everything. I think that's beautiful. Thing is, it's what you think, because God told you to paint it. So are you confident in what God told you to paint? There it is. She doesn't have to worry about anyone else liking this, because this is what God told her to paint. So how you live your life, if God has told you what to do, and you know it's him without a fear filter, you can have confidence in doing it. You don't need approval. It'd probably be good to seek wisdom and counsel, but guess what? When you're fearful, wisdom and counsel seems like control. Let me say that again. That was so good. <laughs> when you're fearful, wisdom and counsel feels like control. Because your lens is, oh, you're just trying to control me. You're giving me da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, no, 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 no. I'm not. You know, I mean, you know why a lot of people leave a church? Control. You know what drives people that don't want to be controlled crazy, giving them personal responsibility and freedom. Silence. You give people personal responsibility and freedom in a church, and it drives them more nuts than controlling them. Seriously, I've been doing this for a long time. Because in freedom, they go, well, sometimes I just need to be told what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm going, no, 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 no. God will tell you, but you're in relationship in case you jump the rails. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're in relationship in case you jump the rails, but Holy Spirit, I could, I don't know, squat about art, but I like that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you if you jumped the rails or not. <laughs> but someone else probably could. But you know what? It's when you go to a prophetic art, you look at it and you go, I actually bought a guy's piece of art 
25 years ago at Eagle's Nest back in 1999. He painted on plywood, and I went up to it, and I started crying. It hangs in my office today. It affected me. That's what you can do. That's what you can do when you hear from God. This guy painted this deal, and it's just hand coming out of heaven with a little boy sitting in it. And that little boy was me. And it made, I mean, I bawled like a baby at the second floor of Eagles. I can tell you where the art was sitting. It changed my life. But fear keeps us from doing the very thing that I think a lot of times God wants us to do. And so let's go to the next verse, last verse. Nope. Yep. For God gave us a spear, not of fear, but power, love, and self-control. I'm going to talk just about this verse, and I want to go through a few other things. He gave us a spirit of not of fear. That's a definition. You don't have a spirit of fear. He said he didn't give you one. Now, this, I'm getting practical here. He didn't give you one. So if he didn't give you one, where'd you get it? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we've got to be honest with ourselves. Well, God, God's, I'm, I'm fearful. God didn't give you this spirit. He just says it right there in his word. God did not give us a spirit of fear. What did he give you? Power, love, self-control. What's the first thing a lot of times, like if, if your wife, well, no, let's reverse that. Your husband jumps out and scares you. I mean, you don't mean to smack him, but sometimes you smack him. Why? You're fearful. Some of you ladies going, yeah, I just use an excuse to smack him. But it's, it is, you smack him out of fear. You didn't mean to, but you were fearful, so you react. Boom. You do it when somebody says something that triggers you. Your mother, your father, your brother, your son, your daughter, your friend. You get triggered. Boom, react. Why? Because we have the spirit of fear. But he gave us power, love, and self-control. So self-control says, Kelly triggers me. This is a real-life example. This happens all the time. No. <laughs> Kelly triggers me, Right? I know she loves me. I have self-control. Not always, but I'm giving you the, the best example. <laughs> I have self-control. I know she loves me, right? And I don't have to fear, but I'm also a powerful person. He's given me power, given her power. She's a powerful person. So two people that, and let's say we disagree about something. I don't have to be fearful. When I am fearful or she's fearful, what do you do in a relationship with friends, family, it doesn't matter. You fight. You disagree. You misunderstand. Because when you get fearful, now you have to make assumption, accusation, and judgment in order to win this proverbial trophy that never exists in a fight. We think we win in marriage or we win in a, a political argument or any type of argument. We don't win. We push the, the, op, the person that's opposite of us away because we're fearful of being rejected or not accepted. There's no way that we can actually go through life and thinking that we're going to change the world when we're fearful of the very people that disagree with us and that we and our, our response to that is losing self-control, love, right, and our power. Think about how do, we how do we actually change the world. The church today is saying, hey, we're going to change the world. How do we do that if we don't walk in power, love, and self-control? We can't. I'd like to give you this special recipe. Oh, shabababa. There it is. No. 
There's no Shabba Baba in relationship. There's no pixie dust. There's actually love, self-control, and the power of God. It's the power of God that's going to move on somebody's heart, and it's the power of God that's going to transform their life. And he happens to want to use people like us that show a little love and self-control and act powerfully in our identity so they can actually be heard and listened to while we talk too. Because when we get fearful, we shut that off. We, like I said earlier, when we get fearful, we shut off wisdom. We shut off the ability to listen to counsel. We shut off somebody that doesn't know Jesus. We act like they're supposed to know Jesus, and we treat them as such. Fear will always attach itself to some undealt issue inside of, you, inside of us, especially our identity. If we have an undealt issue with any type of trauma, fear will attach itself to it. Whatever it is, you, I'm not going to ask you your trauma. It, it could be a trauma in a, in a relationship, physically, sexually, emotionally. It could be a relationship with your mother and your father, a son and daughter, son and father, son. There's triggers that take place. And the fear of that will go somewhere and find that place and try to attach to your identity. It'll tell you if you're struggling with a relationship with, a, with your son, that you're a bad father or a bad mother. If you're having a bad relationship with your spouse, you're a bad husband or a bad spouse. It's gonna, that fear is going to attack somewhere in your identity. But again, go back to what I said earlier. It's like, but in community, that's where people come around and go, how are you acting? What are you doing? Here's, here's what I would recommend you do. I see this in your life. You're not, you are actually doing this, where there's some practical application to the fact that when we get triggered, when fear is our lens, that we actually have people in our lives to say, hey, let's, let's make a pivot here. Yes, this is true. Because you might be right in reading the Bible about the situation, but you could be wrong in how you're handling it in the relationship because of fear. You can be right in how you're reading it in Scripture about how someone re is living their life, reacting, or anything, but you could be wrong in how you're handling it in real life in the relationship because of fear. You could be right that your dad did this, but you could be wrong in the fact that how you're handling it in the relationship. If you're going to punish your father for his past sins, then who are we not to be punished for our past sins? I mean, let's get real here. See, fear makes this happen. Fear makes us judge others that we don't want. We don't want the scepter and the gavel onto us, but we can take the, the scepter and the gavel to others because of fear. I don't want to have this hard conversation with my father. I'm, fear, I'm afraid of him. So I'm going to sit here and judge him. I don't want to have this hard conversation with my sister that I haven't talked to in 18 years, but boy, I love Jesus. Because of fear. That we allow the spirit of fear to come upon us to where we lose our love, our self-control, and our power. Our power, our love, and our self-control can take us into any situation in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to where we can actually go back to the things that we're afraid of and deal with them properly. 
Because if we don't deal with those things properly in love and power and self-control, those things will deal with us. And that, there lies the dysfunction of what I call the church today. We have a lot of people that know a lot of verses, but out of fear, they use the verses as a weapon instead of guidance. They use it as a weapon instead of a blueprint on how to walk into a relationship when I'm fearful. Courage is not absence of all fear. Courage is the ability to take that first step. But that voice of fear is the, can be the loudest in your head. There are, there are times when, um, when I'm fearful. I'll name a few. And then you're going to name a few. <laughs> but let me add this before I do. When we don't recognize as a fear, at something as fear, we misdiagnose ourselves and never get to the root of our reactions or triggers. We blame and get angry. We, confer, we confuse fear with wisdom. See, if we misdiagnose fear, for instance, if you, you, um, you don't, you're a good driver, but you don't drive during the day, there's too many people on the road. So you stay inside all day and you walk at night. You're afraid to even drive your own car. You say it's wisdom because car wrecks kill people. They do kill people. And you think you're in wisdom, but you're staying in your house all day and walking all night to get your stuff. But you have a good working car in your garage. Is that rational fear? Is that good wisdom? Hey, I'm not going to die in a car wreck. Or is it irrational? I'm trying to just use the most blame examples I can to make a point. Is that we can put anything that we're afraid of and attach it to wisdom. Helicoptering our children. Not letting them grow up out of fear. We'll declare with our mouth, these are God's children. I'm just their steward. Till they're... Yeah, but there's this hovercraft over them till they're 28. That's what I'm talking about. We have this irrational fear that we have to control instead of releasing them to the Lord. But we call it wisdom. Well, the world's crazy out there. And so we overamplify our role. Let me ask you this. Interactive. Name a fear. I'm afraid I don't like snakes. I've been afraid that um, I would um, never be successful. I had a fear that I wouldn't live to the year 2000. Seriously, it's 2021. I had that fear. I, when I was young, I go, I'll probably die before the year 2000 because it's also the way I was living my life. I, had a, I was very self-aware of how I was living my life. I had a fear of snakes. I don't like um, extreme heights. Um, I don't like swimming in the ocean at night. I'm afraid I don't like disappointing people. Um, I don't know. I'll start there. How about y'all? Raise your hand if you want to share. This is, we're going back old school. Lisa. Fear of success. Fear of success. Okay. Yes. That your children won't know you. Okay. Wow. Good. Good. I like the uncomfortable. I'm going to walk here for a while. Because, yes. Fear of what? 
Not being enough. Not enough. Yes. Yes. This is kind of what we love because this is where we started, man. We started in the house, and this is what we do. We love the interaction because, listen, a message is a message. What? You, you know, I, it's, it has to be tangible. It has to be something that sinks into your heart, that actually the Scripture comes alive because you're hearing examples. It's almost like for me, Kelly loves to read book without, books without pictures. I love books with pictures. Like if you could make an adult pop-up book, I'd buy them. Seriously, could you imagine an adult pop-up book? Oh, now I get this. You know, they call me Jethro. You know, I'm just sitting there, you know, I want, I'll, I'll say, does that book have pictures? You know, it's, 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 okay, who else? Come on, show me, show me what I'll share. This is good. Not, yes. Fear of not having enough time to finish what you need to get done. Yes, fear of not time to get enough done. Yes. Not being accepted. Rejection. Ben. Fear of lack, not having enough money to pay the bills. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, fear of being sometimes out of control. Right? Fear of intimacy. Good one. Lisa. Not being a good mom. Yeah, failure as a mom. How about anybody here have a fear of failure? Come on, people, let's be honest. Who has a fear of failure? Okay? Sometimes we have these fears of failure. But it's what we do with these fears. How many of you are more prone to internalize your fear? Raise your hand. If you're, come on, be honest, guys. Internalize it means I don't want to share my fears. Raise the hand high. Anybody see their hand? Okay. Great. That's why I'm doing this exercise. Because it's healthy. It's healthy to go, hey, here's my fears. I just shared some of them. I could probably give you a bigger list. But until we realize that these fears hold us back and that realizing, some people go, don't ever talk about your Speak faith. Speak this. Going, yeah, I've, I've seen this in 35 years of ministry, and I'm ministering to those very people that are preaching people just be in faith. And they're train wrecks in their marriages, train wrecks with their children. They judge their children about their lifestyle 24-7, and they wonder why their children are not around. Their marriages end in, in demise. Their churches fall apart. It's because of fear, and they don't want to share, hey, I'm fragile in this area. I don't understand. This fear is, is, is giving me a lens and making me make decisions, but if I don't let anybody know, it doesn't exist. That's like when Joey, our son, was two years old. He'd walk into our room like this and thinking if he, we couldn't see, he couldn't see us, we couldn't see him. <laughs> That's how irrational fear is, just walking in going, fear doesn't exist. It's just, and that's what we do. And until we deal with that fear and share it, if you can't share it with your spouse or a friend, share it with somebody that you can, when you share your fears, it releases them where God can actually come in where that thing took hold and give you freedom. Until you deal with it, it's an anchor to your soul. It's an anchor to your spirit because if you go back to 1 Timothy, the spirit of fear is what binds us it's what holds us back because he didn't give it to us. Anything not of him is binding. It's, anything of him is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The opposite, where the spirit of the Lord is not, which is in fear, there's not freedom. I'm making this very practical because we have to understand this. Because if not, we're just going to play Christian. And we, nobody wants to play Christian. That's why I'm asking these questions. 
What about, let me ask this, anybody have a fear How about anybody have a fear of speaking in public? You, Travis does? Okay, speaker. Do you know there was a survey that if you, I, I've said this before in this church, that there's people that have such a severe fear of speaking in public that they would, at a funeral, they would rather be in the coffin than give the eulogy. <laughs> Serious study. Seriously. Like real manic uh, like uh, fear of speaking in public, they said, I would rather be in the coffin than give a eulogy. My daughter, if she's watching here tonight, she, she shakes. She, she's petrified. She's petrified. Her two parents speak, huh? She speaks, you know, when she speaks about speaking in public. But, um, okay, let me ask you this. Don't do you like, you like uh, questions? How many of you in your fear of failure, how many of you that, that raise your hand? How many times has it stopped you from doing the very thing you knew you were supposed to do? All the time? Yeah, like you knew. This is what God spoke. You guys online, raise your hand. Um, <laughs> but it's, you, knew you, were, you knew God called you this, and you stopped, and you started processing in your mind all the humanistic reasons why I can't do this. It's almost like what Peter on the boat, we said, if that's you, Lord, call me out. It's me, dude. Okay, I'm coming. And then all of a sudden you see the waves and he starts, whoa, sinks. It's one of those things where, isn't it funny, but we have to talk about it to realize it because if we just stay within our church mindset, we just talked about the flowery scriptures that make it all go away. But what go, makes it go away is these discussions of honesty and vulnerability, these ability to take the verses, apply them to real-life answers and say, laugh at ourselves and say, I do that. And then if you, that doesn't unstick you, then you go to the person next to you and say, help me get unstuck in this. Then there's freedom. If you think you have all the answers, believe me, I'm 57 next Monday. I don't even have near any answers. Anybody older than me still learning, anybody still younger than me, if you think you know it, boy, are you in for a rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> the arrogance on, me, on myself as a young person, believe me, I wrote the book. I thought I knew everything at 26. I mean, that's my, she's laughing up here. I thought I knew everything. So when I meet a young person and they tell me all that they know, all their world life experience, they post it on social media, I go, oh, well, good luck with that in about 10 years. <laughs> social media does, it makes me so, it makes me laugh because you realize, man, that's going to, yeah, okay, good luck in that marriage. You know, you see all sorts of stuff. But back, back, <laughs> yeah, tell us how you really feel. I just have one gear, man. It's high. It's high. I'm sorry. Because um, when we talk about fear, I almost want to laugh. I do. I kind of want to just make it laughable that some of the things that freeze us, because that stops the army. If you look at ranks of the army, if the guy up front freezes in fear, everybody runs into him, and the whole army stops. If the leaders, if you're leading something and you stop in fear, everybody backs up behind you and waits till you take the next step. It's just, the, I'm trying to give it a visual illustration of what it looks like. That's why I'm asking these questions. Because fear can stop everything from moving in motion. And God already gave us, already gave us the spirit of power, love, and self-control. 
We just have to activate it. We have to step out in courage as Joshua did. He already gave us what we need. The question is, are we going to use it or make excuses and get out of it? Let me ask you this. I love my little question and answer stuff. Do y'all, does, that, does that put anybody on the spot when I do that? Does it feel bad? I've always said this. Uh, fear helps us make decisions, right? We can react, and it will produce results. When we, when we react out of fear, it can produce humanly results, right? We can get stuff done. When, when somebody gets fear, you can intimidate somebody, make them acquiesce. You can shut them off, ha! shut down the conversation. You can shake your finger at them. You know, you can walk away. You can disconnect. Fear, you can, you can get something done. You can intimidate your employees, your staff, your people into doing something. If you're in a very authoritative church or authoritative company, the fear of being not accepted or rejected is a huge movement tool in the church. If you don't, you know, that if you don't do certain things, they're not going to get recognized. You're not going to be a part, that you're going to be separated out. In the company, you're going to be fired. You're going to not get the promotion someone else is. That fear does this because it's, listen, mind control is, is the, if you think about what Paul said in, in uh, Romans 12, renew your mind, the importance of that when it comes to when we talk about mind control, there's a lot of modern-day witchcraft going on in the church today that we think is this authoritative structure or we think is God that is really witchcraft of control. And, we act, and a lot of people will acquiesce out of fear. And the main fear of that, and this is all in Barna studies and stuff. I'm not just like the house according to Joey. It is fear of being rejected, not accepted, and not promoted. That there's some hierarchy to attain spirituality. That when I attain to this leadership role, when I attain to this recognition role, that I've actually attained spiritual maturity. That title brings maturity. And it's not. It's a fear-based model of us acquiescing and accommodating something that's not us. We've lost our self-control, we've lost our power, and we've lost our love. Now we're just being obedient. Obedient to something that we shouldn't be obedient to when something's controlling. Obedience is one thing, but it's misguided obedience. Why are you being obedient? If I went to Chuck and I said, hey, Chuck, I'm your leader, wash my car. I mean, come on, what kind of guy would do that? It's, it's, it's so much of what that we see that we get fearful for that if he, and I'm, you know I'm playing here, right? Y'all, everyone get that, all the years, everybody get that? That if he has a fear of losing his job and that's the real culture here, he'll wash my car. What kind of job is that? And we see that because of fear. So it keeps us from doing things, and it keeps us doing things. That's what fear does. It doesn't just stop us all the time. It gets us to perform. But it does it without self-control, without power, and without love. He wouldn't do that out of love. He might say honor, but misplaced honor. He's not doing it out of power. And he's not, the only self-control he has is not making me eat the sponge or throw the bucket of water on me. 
But you see my point, that fear can move us into a direction of power and performance. And I think if we get that right, we understand who actually we are when we walk into that metaphorical room I said at the very beginning, not in arrogance, but in identity. Because fear takes away that. Another thing that fear does is makes us put on masks. So when we're fearful, fear of rejection, we put on a mask that's more acceptable. Kelly said this in a um, message years ago, her shiny self. She said, I just clean myself up and make this shiny self. And this is what I present. Here's my shiny self. Because you won't reject this because I've already made sure that I'm coming in looking exactly the way I'm supposed to look. And that's all fear-based. There's identity. There's a lot of stuff, but I'm using, there's a lot of stuff in that. But, you know, if we have a different way we live life and the way we treat people in this house versus your house versus your office with your kids, somewhere if it's different, fear is associated somewhere in your life. Because fear makes us accommodate the very thing we're afraid of being a failure at. And we put on that mask. No, this is great. This is who who I am. One of my biggest things in 19, and I've shared this, so some of you are new. In 1993, and uh, me and a friend of ours were uh, men's leaders at uh, a church here in town, an E-Free Church. And um, for some of this, this is going to be a short repeat. But in that, we were doing Dad the Family Shepherd books. Okay, I'm a shepherd, I'm a dad. Check box, check box. I know some Bible verses. Check. I walk with my wife with her arm going into church every Sunday, sit at the same place. We're in a Sunday school. We're going to lead Dad the Family Shepherd. Yeah. My friend got up at the podium and was promoting the whole conference, and I'm there proud going, yep, I'm a leader. Well, two months after that, he was on the path of divorce, and I was nine months in marriage counseling with my wife but I wasn't gonna let that stop me. I put on the mask that everything was fine. Fear kept me internalizing the very thing that was our problem. Fear kept us, me saying, oh, this is great. I still remember at a church retreat, my wife looking at me like I was a stranger and didn't want anything, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, I don't think she likes me. And she didn't, right? I'm just trying to be vulnerable here so you understand what fear looks like. 1993, it's real. And sometimes vulnerability makes people feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. You know, but it's, it was a fear that we, left, that, I, that we left undone or dealt with. And it came into our identity, it came into our marriage, and then we eventually had to deal with it. Because the mask and the pretty self couldn't make it anymore. And you get to the end. And praise God, we've been married 34 years, almost 35 years. And the, and the last 20 since, 25 since that year has been better than it's ever been. Whoop, whoop. But it's the courage to say, we need help. I'm, I'm fearful we're gonna, this isn't going to work. We need help. And, the, and we went and got help. And we had friends that got into our life. And those friends talked to us. And listen, we share each other's marriages. And there's times where we've had some really hot moments with them, with us. 
It happens. Over 35 years of friendship. Huh? Not hot moments. Edit that out. Not heated moments. We've had some... We've had some heated conversational moments. There we go. Children. Just like I'm sitting here with my junior high kids. Come on. A bunch of junior high kids. I can't even say hot thing. Okay. Okay. Heated, interactual, relational conversations about marriage. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. But I knew, I mean, Jeff and I were like 13 internally. We really are. We really are. Now I lost my point. It's a bunch of juveniles. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to end. The, I'm going to land this plane. I'm going to land this plane. <laughs> huh? What's that? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to land this plane. Is everybody tracking with me so far about fear? Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. I want to say two more things. Don't make assumptions or judgments about what you think others are or are not doing without talking to them. It develops a spiritual cancer in you. It develops a cancer in you when you make assumptions. If you see something going on, go to them. Don't be afraid. Because out of fear, what happens is you start going and gossiping about them. You start judging them. You make assumptions about them. And the only person that should be involved in the conversation is not, is them. And it's a cancer to you. It's a cancer to you because you're internally judging people. It's a cancer to you because it's occupying mind space of fear and freedom is on the other side of that conversation. And another thing, you cause division out of your fear. So if you spread gossip or judgment or assumption, you cause division and you're responsible for that division and that's a mess to be cleaned up. Out of fear, when we do things like that, it is something that is it is, it's traumatic to a group. I don't care if it's in your company, if it's in your life group, if it's in this church, if it's in your, I don't care, social group. If you have a problem with somebody or you think you understood something they said and they didn't, but it's causing fear and it's causing you to talk about it with other people and you're saying counsel, well, I'm seeking counsel. No, you're seeking allies. You're seeking allies. Go to the source and say, hey, did you mean this? Did you mean this? I heard you said this. Yes, I meant it. No, I didn't say it. You know, whatever the case is, hear it from the source and it ends. But if you have fear, well, I can't, I can't, I can't approach that person. You know, Zach's, he's not approachable. Well, how do you know? Well, he just seems so unapproachable. Well, how do you know? Well, I heard. Oh, you heard he's unapproachable. So better that you heard third hand he's unapproachable than to go, it's better to go gossip, judge, and assume and spread division. Fear makes us do the very things we don't want to do, and it causes division everywhere. So another thing of fear, when we do that, we lose control, we lose our power, and we lose our love because the very people we say we love we're not loving them and we're not going to them with the issue which we have, we think with them, but we're going to others. Amen?
Okay, my last point, and we'll land the plane. Um, people full of fear, especially irrational fear, are, un are unable to communicate in a healthy and clear way. Don't take it personal. When you're in front of somebody and they're not communicating rationally, they're in fear. If we're in, if we're in 1 Timothy, in love, self-control, and in power, how they react in fear and can't, are not communicating properly does not have to get inside you, does not have to affect you. Let me give you a great example of me. So Anne-Marie is a, an incredible communicator. And in her process of life, she has been able to not, you know, like, especially lately, not, uh, you know, things external from her that are, other, you know, that are um, not her issue, she doesn't take offense to them. So like two weeks ago, I snapped something out on her real quick, and I, because we were having a conversation about three weeks ago, and I said something sarcastic to her, which, you know, I've done for 35 years, but not always in this degree. <laughs> But not always in this degree. And so that night or the next morning, I called her, and I said, I'm so sorry I said that like that. And her response was, her response in the moment when I did that was nothing. She looked, and just her response was almost like overseeing that reaction I gave. Because she knew this isn't about me. This is what's going on in Joey. She didn't take it personal. And she looked at me, she goes, you know, she goes, Joey, I knew that wasn't about me. There was something going on in you. I go, yeah, I'm all jacked up right now, you know. And, but it was, she stayed in control, she stayed in power, and she stayed in love. And so, the, yeah, exactly. Because she could have engaged me. Now listen, yeah, bef before, you before you put the angel wings on, before you put the angel wings on her, no, I'm not going to throw her under the bus. She flies. She glows. You know, as far as everybody knows, she glows. She flies. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that what she did not take personally how I was reacting to a situation. She stayed in love. She stayed in power in her identity. She stayed in control with self-control. She could have jumped into fear and fought me right back. And we've had those fights. We've had, what she's done. We've had those fights. But they both come from fear. Like when she said to him, boom, I said this. And she could have gone, well, boom you, you know. And as a result, both of us were responding in fear. But instead, she took the high road and said, no, no, this is not about me. It's something going on, Joey. I love him. I'm in self-control, right? And I'm in power. I have power of the Holy Spirit. And so what she got was Holy Spirit convicted me right on the bat, but we were talking about other things. I called her the next morning and said, Oh, my bad. Does that make sense? Yeah. See how fear has so many applications, but we just really just read a verse a lot of times and go, oh, you know, cast all your fears and anxieties on me. What does that mean? It's real. God means it. But when we have these fears, sometimes we need to process it. Because I can read that verse but I might be blind because I'm in fear until somebody that I know real well tells me, goes, you seem in fear about this. But I could be blinded by my fear. Oh, no, I'm in faith. I'm in faith. Well, we had dinner three nights this weekend. I haven't seen an ounce of faith. 
Does that make sense? I mean, we start declaring stuff, which is great. It's totally great. But if I declare I'm in faith, I'm in faith, and I lose 28 pounds, and I'm, I'm not eating, and I'm stressed out, and I'm snapping at everybody, when does someone come to me and say, this doesn't look like faith. This looks like fear. Well, I'm declaring, it's great, but you're, something's wrong. There's a root here, and fear is keeping us from getting to the root, so you're misdiagnosing yourself. You're diagnosing yourself in faith, but your prognosis and your diagnosis is really fear, and you're the only one that doesn't see it. It's so important that we get to the root of why we fear so we can walk in the identity God intended us to be. It's so important because the body doesn't advance without it. We're a bunch of people wearing masks, walking, thinking we're making a difference, but we're, we're responding like the world in fear. I have fears still today, but I process them with people and God. I don't, I mean, I process with God. We soak, we I worship, I do all the same things, but I do it with people because I've misdiagnosed myself many times. And I needed people to say, no, 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 you're, you're totally in fear, you're out of control. And so what I want to encourage you today in less than two minutes is this. Not navel gaze at all. Not navel gaze. Read those verses. Read them through a filter of what would it look like if I actually took steps in, these, in the hardest areas of my life with relationships, husband, wife, mother, father, son, daughter, friend, coworker, boss. What would it look like if I took steps of actually accomplishing walking, not in arrogance, but in power, love, and self-control, that I actually knew that I could be courageous without being proud, prideful? that I actually knew that the God of the universe was behind me and all the support as long as I allow him to flow through me, that I allowed that faith would break the dam of fear and that he could flow through me, that we just read these verses in a way that we actually look at a, a manual like we're building something, but it's building you, that when you take the screws, you go, oh, this screw's missing, but you just look at it from, Lord, what, what am I going through right now that is keeping me from being who I'm called to be and that I have to deal with? How do I unlock this dam? How do I regain this relationship? How do I bring my son back, my daughter back, my father back, my mother back? It doesn't matter, my brother, my sister. How do I take that next step without fear that I can see fruit in my life and fruit in the people that I'm not in relationship with? And then who can I let into my life to tell me I'm misdiagnosing myself? On the other side of that, my people, is freedom. Yeah. Yeah. On the other side. Yeah. Keep, there's no other choice for us. There's no other choice. Eventually, one day, we become, we get to the end of ourselves. You go to, you go to um, a nursing home, and I have this statistic in my iPad, but I have to go search for it. I don't want to. And I think it was like, 81% or 71% of the people surveyed have regret. And the, reg the regret was not doing something they were fearful of doing. It could have been business, relational, not telling their son I loved him, not telling my wife. It doesn't matter what it is, regret. Fear keeps us in regret. 
start, I mean, I wish I would have lived my life like I'm talking right now when I was 20. If you're young and don't live with regret, it doesn't matter where you are in life, I encourage you to take that step of faith to block down, knock down fear and do the very things that you can look back on your life next year and look back on the past year and go, no regret, no regret, no regret. Doesn't mean you don't screw up. The difference between screwing up and regret is heart. You're gonna mess up, but it's how you come back and make that right. That's where the fear goes away, where you can mess up like I did with Amory and go the next day and go, clean that up. Love her, we're in, we're in connection. And just keep moving, you know, no regret. Because no regret is a powerful place of peace. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And so, anyway, Kelly wants to say something. Yeah, kind of, come on. Can I have this? Yeah. Um, don't y'all love how practical Joey's messages are? So good. And there I am. There she is. That's so odd. I'm like, is. hello, Kelly. Hello, Kelly. <laughs> That's so sweet, though, that he has that. Was like, I travel a lot. I want to see oh, her face. So and then on my other screensaver, oh, my boys and my grandkids. I know. What I wanted to say, and, I, and it's true, and um, I really feel God strongly on when you were talking about um, us. Mm-hmm. And relationally, in fear, and you know, and, and in fear, me putting on my shiny self and my persona and being this, and and then Joey being how he is. And what does it, that mean? You know, yeah. <laughs> super <laughs> passionate, super passionate. And yeah, and and when we ended up in marriage counseling, and and he's right, and like so, our marriage, and we'll be married 35 years in May. It it only every single year is just getting better and better and better. And I felt strongly the Lord kind of hovering on this thing because I feel like there's some husbands and wives in here. It could be fathers and sons or daughters or friends. But relationally, I really want to pray over you because there's a a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 in the Passion. In one verse that I love in that translation, it says that love is a fortress where everyone feels protected rather than exposed. And what happened in Joey's and my marriage is that we had to get to a place where we decided that we felt safe with each other to let the guard down and to take the mask off and to be vulnerable. And that meant you could reject this part of me. You could judge this part of me. I don't like this part, you know. And so that when that started happening and the intimacy and the vulnerability continued to grow, that's when God just so beautifully healed our marriage. And the same could be said about parent relationships, friend relationships. And I just, when you were speaking, I just felt really strongly like the Lord wanted to just kind of release something over people. So, I mean, if you could, you could be standing and listen, there's no judgment. We are first to stand to go, yes, please pray for us. Um, I just would like to pray or you pray pray. over that. If there's any kind of area where you feel like, yeah, because I am afraid and presenting this other persona, I haven't really let them into, that's what intimacy is, into see me, and true vulnerability hasn't happened, so there is this wall or there is division. Do you know what I'm saying? You You have to say what it is. No, 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 but I'm just saying I really, I feel God on it. I feel like he wants to heal and come and move in some of those areas, so if anybody feels like that's you, you can stand. Be brave. Be brave, people. I'd be standing with you. Yeah.
Well, and I honestly, I mean, he, he was given a very real life example about me. And, and I said, I'm not triggered. I'm not offended that you're actually given my real life example. What's that? <laughs> With my father. Huh? <laughs> With my father. Edit this, please. <laughs> With my dad. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, I do. I just. <sighs> I think you, that you are a vulnerable God. That you first made yourself vulnerable by entering into this world and humankind. And that your tenderness and your vulnerability is what allows us to be able to do the same. And I thank you, Lord, that you, that your love is a safe place. And that your love is a fortress where we are protected and we are not exposed. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would, in every single person here and in every person standing, Lord, I ask that you would bring them to a place of not fake safety and trust, but real, yeah. real safety and trust. That abiding place, that habitual abiding place of rest and trust and safety where they know that you have made them enough yeah. for who they are. You are enough. And that in this relationship, in your relationships, you, that you are enough, and that the Father, I just pray, Father, that you would so speak that identity that Joey has been talking about deeply into hearts of every single one of us in here, that we can stand bravely in the face of perceived opposition, perceived rejection, or real rejection, knowing who we are, who you've made us to be, and that in vulnerability we can begin to heal the breach and the division and I'm asking you for your just bomb, Jesus, of healing to flow through the relationships in this room. And I ask, Lord, that what you've done in our marriage, it, it's, Lord, that is a gift that astounds me, that I can say that in my near 35th year of marriage, that it is way happier than any other year. And that's you, Jesus. So I'm asking that you would release that same gift on every single marriage in this place, that I bless your marriage and that if you're the scary person, I bless you to be able to release that and get to the root of it like Joey's been talking about. That, Father, that you would make us feel secure and safe enough to admit fear. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would highlight that root so that it doesn't go misdiagnosed any longer. I ask that you would come and do deep, deep heart surgery, Lord, because we want all that you have for us. We want deep and intimate relationships with each other, with our spouse, with our children, with our parents, with our friends, and with you. And I believe that the deep, intimate work that you want to do is that you're healing the divide in your body, that you are bringing all of this breach and division that has broken your heart. I see you coming and mending it in a really powerful way. And so I just want to bless every single person in this place, standing or not standing, but that for your, for your bravery and your vulnerability and authenticity to stand, knowing there's more and I want it. Yeah. And so, Father, I ask that you would just bless their socks off, that you would shower, shower, saturate their relationships, saturate their heart. I just bless your union and your relationships. 
we call children back to fathers. Yes. Fathers back to children. Yes. And repairing breaches of mothers and daughters, marriages, friends. We just thank you, Lord. We just bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. No, that's good. In addition to that, I think that that sometimes there are some of us, and this is this is actually what Joey saw me do, is is I actually actually began to first be willing to see myself. Before I could show myself to someone else, I first had to, I began to step outside myself and see, some of us aren't even aware we have fears. Some of us might, you might not have raised your hand because you can't think of anything you're afraid of. But we go through life responding to fear everywhere. We don't even see it. We can't even connect to our fear. We can't feel it. Do, we, do you all know in your body how you feel when you're afraid? When you feel anxious? There's lots of words for fear, too. But part of it was stepping outside myself and watching myself. Instead of judging myself when I'd get triggered and respond, I began to look at myself and go, how? Oh, wow. Look what you did there. And that process alone, and so I bless you also with the bravery to see yourself, to see you, so that you're the first one who gets to look at you and say, huh, why'd that make me so upset? I just bit his head. I just came out swinging. Why'd I do that? What's at the root of that? Ooh, Jesus, what is that? You're scared. What am I scared of? You're scared of X, Y, Z, P, D, Q. It could be all kinds of things. So I just, especially in our marriages, very often we don't feel safe, but we also don't feel safe with ourselves. We're too scared. We got so much shame. We won't even look at ourselves. Right. And so I bless you. I bless all of us to find the safety in Jesus that he's already given us. We're so seen and known, so loved, so safe in Jesus that we feel safe. To, to look at what's going on inside ourselves. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Anyone else? <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Your message did not need adding on to. No, Je- no okay. Jeff. I'm going to give you an example yeah. of Anne-Marie and me in, in, in our marriage. Um, we have an amazing marriage. But like every marriage, you get into disagreements and things, right? And so w- what happens to me is this... We'll get into to, to something that we're arguing about, and immediately I get, I get defensive, right? And so my response to being that that defensive response is coming from a place in me, where it's tapping into um, into a fear which says, "Guess what, Jeff? You're not good enough." So you've got to defend yourself. Yeah. So you've got to you've got to come out with your argument, your evidence, whatever it is, to prove your point in that. When, when really, if, and is what Amory's saying and what Joey and Kelly are saying, if, if I know myself well enough and I know my fears, then I can stop myself and go, you know what? I'm responding to this fear that this thing has, has triggered in me, right? right? You know, what she said kicked off this fear that I'm, I'm, I'm not enough. 
and I can step, I can step away from that and say, but I am enough, and I don't need to respond out of a place of defensiveness, which opens up our communication. Yeah. You know, then we can get to the real issue of what, of what we're talking about, fighting about, about. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. That's good. Are we done? Anyone else? Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.